0: Welcome to The Music Buzz, the podcast where we talk music, pop culture, and current events while we get buzzed. We're your hosts, Justine Avila and Lauren Brumley. Guys, we are back with a deep dive episode on John Mayer's Continuum. And we've gone rogue this week, and we are drinking a custom cocktail based on what we're listening to.
1: With a clever name, Gin Repair, may (laughs) sound similar to In Repair, you might have heard that song, (laughs) Um, and it's super simple. It is just a few ingredients, it's lemon juice, some Saint Germain's, sparkling rosé, shot of gin, and
0: a little bit of simple syrup. It's a twist on a French 75, and it's just honestly delicious, bringing us joy all day, every day,
1: like John Mayer's Continuum.
0: So if you want to drink along with us for this episode, you can find the recipe for this cocktail on our Instagram at musicbuzzpod. And you can just get in on the fun with us. But before we get into our track-by-track analysis of this classic record, we're going to talk about some current events. Okay, so our last episode, we touched on the ACM Awards, which were coming up. Um, we've now... We both watched the award show and I want to know what you thought about the award ceremony, what you thought worked well, what you didn't like. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. What did you think overall? Overall, I
1: liked it. Um, I thought they did a really good job considering what they had to work with, which was a virtual show in town because they couldn't necessarily make everyone travel to Vegas. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I thought it was compelling for what it was. And it was across three different venues in Nashville, the Opry, the Bluebird, and the Ryman, which was great. I didn't necessarily enjoy the awkwardness of, I guess, the reality that is a virtual show. Um, I, I think no matter which way you slice it, it's unfortunately still a little awkward. For sure. How did you feel?
0: Yeah, I kind of felt the same. Um, I think they did the best with what they had. It was definitely kind of awkward without there being audiences for the show. A lot of award shows are really focused on like the fans that are watching at home and that are a lot of times there in the audience screaming and going nuts and the peers that are there cheering on their friends. And that just was an aspect of the award show that wasn't possible this year because of the pandemic. So it definitely was very different. There were a ton of performances. Um, The entire first 20 minutes of the show was all the entertainer of the year nominees back to back to back performing. And literally we got 20 minutes in and I was like, I don't think there's been a commercial break. I don't think there has been a host. I don't think there's been anything. It's just performance after performance, which was kind of nice. It definitely was entertaining. I like people often tune in for the performances. So I think they were just steering into that. But, yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty good overall. I think Kane Brown specifically did a good job of using the venue without any audience members. He kind of put some background singers up there for a song in the balcony of the Opry and kind of made the space feel a lot bigger and at least kind of utilized that, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was interesting that Kelsey Ballerini did her ballerini version of Hole in the Bottle mm-hmm. since she just released her second part of her she released Kelsey back at the beginning of the pandemic and then reimagined all of her songs with a record that she just recently released called Ballerini so it was interesting to hear that version of the song but yeah it was just a lot of musical performances it definitely was
1: and I think we definitely have to touch on kind of the two biggest moments of the evening which one of them was Taylor Swift who returned to the stage after seven years performing Betty and I want to get your thoughts Lauren what did you think I I think it was that Sunday before the award show it was like breaking news Taylor returns to the ACM stage so it was a lot of anticipation and a lot of build-up
0: yeah I liked the performance um Betty is not necessarily my favorite song from Folklore, which might be controversial. I know a lot of people love that song. But yeah, it's just not my personal favorite song, but I thought she performed super well. She sounded great. I feel like her stripped back performance was kind of like a nod to her not wanting to like commandeer the country space because she kind of feels like a visitor there now after having gone the pop route. And now she's like, Invited back, but she's like, This isn't necessarily my home, so I'm not trying to go over the top and like take over the show. So it was a little more understated, and it also goes in theme with her record, which is a little more stripped back and low key, I guess. Um, I thought she sounded great. She looked great. However, her outfit was, re- it sent the internet ablaze. What did you think about the fit? I liked the outfit. <laughs> I liked, I guess.
1: The pants. I Justine's
0: did- a fan of khakis. Who
1: is <laughs> surprised? I mean, I just thought it was like, oh, a, a like summer pant outfit, <laughs> I guess. But I, I did think the turtleneck was a little strange. The sequined, it was like a red turtleneck. Yeah. Right?
0: The thing is, I think all the pieces individually would have been fine with something else. It was just the combo of like a skinny khaki pant with a zipper on the front a strappy heel and a red sequin turtleneck. So I will, she looks like a fancy target employee. I will add to this.
1: This may be the reason why she did style herself for this performance and she did her own hair and makeup. So maybe her stylist after this was like, see, I told you this is why you got to pay like sister. This is why I have a job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She was, she saw that and she was like, Oh, job security. (laughs) Yeah, forward. I I didn't despise it so much. It was it was fine for an award show. It's not what I expected, I guess, mm-hmm. but it was it was not so bad, but people were violently offended by it. I thought her makeup looked incredible. I loved the simple, effortless look. It was great. It, I thought, yeah, I thought the makeup was very much
1: in keeping with the folklore theme, which was her without a lot of makeup. I think she tries to dress according to whatever album cycle she's on. Like, for Lover, she had the pink hair, and now she's going back to khakis and...
0: Going back to khakis? (laughs) I don't even
1: know. She's going back to, like... You
0: know when she used to wear khakis all the time? Yeah,
1: going back to wearing cardigans. Didn't necessarily love the performance, but my favorite performances that she does in general, which we've talked about on our previous episodes, have been when she takes the big pop anthems and strips it back down to almost like a demo version on the acoustic guitar, which I love.
0: But I have to say, I think those performances are so enjoyable when they're in the mix of these huge, like blowout performances. When, when she's going nuts for Shake It Off and then she strips it back. It's like, it's the polar opposite nature that you're like, oh, this is so nice. I mean, her playing Betty is the same kind of vibe as her playing one of those songs Stripped Back. It's just, when it's just that, it's a little boring. Yeah, it makes me want to go to bed. Yeah, and I honestly, I felt the same way anytime she performed the song Lover on all the award shows. I was like, it's a it's a pretty song. It's fine, but I'm not like writing home about it after I see those performances, you know? Ooh, the Swifties are going to come for you now. I'm sorry. I You know I loved Folklore. don't kill me
1: Um, so Taylor was obviously a big portion of the evening I think the second biggest controversial moment of the night was entertainer of the year which was a tie with Thomas Rhett and Carrie Underwood Lauren what were your thoughts feelings everything going into that
0: I was just so confused about how there could even be a tie because I didn't understand who the voting group was. So
1: um, a couple of days
0: after the awards, the CEO for the
1: ACMs responded because there was so much backlash from the tie. He actually had mentioned that in previous ACM history, there have been categories where there's been a tie.
0: Oh, just maybe not for this specific award. Correct, But it's
1: it's highly unlikely, but it can happen. And they have a third party in this instance, it was Deloitte, that does the accounting and consulting for ACMs and actually counts the votes. So they have around 5,000 voting members and they tally everything and ACMs doesn't actually see it because I think, if I have this correct, their staff are also voting members. So it's a conflict of interest if they're also counting the votes. Um, And
0: with a group that large, it makes more sense that it's difficult to make sure there's an even number. And it's probably even more unlikely that there would be an evenly split tie. Correct. With a group that big. So I think it's just kind of a, I guess a freak accident if you want to call it that, but I was just bummed for Carrie Underwood. I feel like she was well deserving of that title and It sucks that now that she's finally winning that, it had to be, it had to be an accomplishment split with a man. And it's just like, unfortunately paints a picture that is like, everyone's like, of course, this is how it's going, you know? Of course the woman wins and the man also has to win, you know?
1: Right. It almost diminishes it for her. That, or at least that's my take on it in a weird way because she was supposed to be the female that got it. Yeah. And you're right. It's a shared, a shared moment, not to say Thomas Rhett doesn't deserve it, but I think everyone was rooting for Carrie because of what happened with the CMAs last year.
0: Yeah. And I'm still holding out hope for her, for the CMAs to at least kind of redeem this a little bit, but she took it super well. She was a champ about it. She, you know, took it in stride, but I just feel bad for her. And I love Thomas Rhett, but I don't know that he is necessarily on the entertainer level that Carrie is on right now in her career. So I agree. Overall, it was an entertaining show and I'm interested now to see the CMAs for sure to see if there is to see what the differences are and to see how they approach it. And if it's any different than the way that the ACMs did. Same. Should be an interesting night. Yeah, it should. So in other sad current events news, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and literally my entire Instagram feed last night was all photos of her. And I was just scrolling through just like so sad (laughs) looking at it. I also, have you seen the RBG documentary? I have not. I watched it last night. I felt like I had to because I shamefully didn't know enough about her until recently, Mm -hmm. just because I was an uneducated loser And so I watched it last night, and I was just like, this is actually the worst time to be watching this, because now I'm even more devastated that she's gone. She was, like, such a pioneer of women's rights and just social justice in general and paved the way for a lot of women in positions of power. And it's just unfortunate and sad. We lost a legend. We did. But we just wanted to take this time to remind you, if you're not registered to vote, go register. If you're registered to vote, go vote. Yeah. Show up at the polls. Don't be a loser. Voting is cool. Voting is hot. There's nothing sexier than voting.
1: And tell your friends. Bring your friends.
0: 100%. Like get a van. I know it's COVID times, but like get a van. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Take everyone there. Just do it. And that's that on that. So as part of our current events segment, we're going to start talking about our personal currents. So we're going to be sharing what we're currently reading, currently watching, and currently listening to. So Justine, give me the currents. What are you reading, watching, and listening to?
1: So reading, I'm reading a book. This should come as no surprise <laughs> on Jay-Z.
0: Oh my gosh. My man.
1: Uh, it's actually by a professor at Georgetown oh. University he teaches an entire class on Jay Z, but it's actually it's not just on Jay Z as an artist, but it's on African American culture and studies. It's really Ooh, interesting. That sounds good. Um, and talks about his hustle and essentially, I think he calls him like the African American poet of his time, like hmm. almost almost like a thought provoking philosopher and poet, which is cool. Okay, I love that. Um, but you guys should check it out. He released a book. Earlier this, uh, it might have been at the end of 2019. His name is Michael Dyanson, Dy <laughs> something like that, <laughs> something like that. Check it out; it is really awesome. How do you it, spell the last name if you want to find it? Uh, D Y N S O N. Um, but super interesting read. Highly, highly recommend it. And it's essentially about the art of the hustle, which I love. That
0: sounds great. Right up your alley.
1: Hova. Um, So that's what I'm reading. What I'm watching is this Swedish show that-
0: Oh, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? Like, like, are you calling me a dud? Like, no, everyone's no, gonna tune out. Not a
0: dud. You would be watching like something cerebral that you need subtitles for. <laughs> yeah, That's for show sure. so on brand. But
1: they turned it into a British show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh I think BBC actually does it. It's called The Tunnel. And it's a murder mystery show. Really not up my alley, but someone recommended it and it's actually amazing. I love I a love murder it. mystery. Yeah. And each season is a new murder that they're going through. So I'm on season two and it's um, with the British and the French working together to solve international crimes. Oh, it's really, it's awesome. You that should check good. it out. Yeah. That's, that's my PSA for that one. And then what have I been listening to? Well, we just had new music come out yesterday, Friday. Um, so I was checking out the new Sasha Sloan. Is it just me? And then, obviously, listen to my boy Luke Combs without you when he had Amanda Shires on yeah. that one, which was really, really cool. I liked that one. Um, so that's what I've been. In addition to WAP, I'm still bumping WAP. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course, five weeks later, I'm it's still the on BOP it. of
0: 2020.
1: It, yeah, it sure is. Um, all right, so hit me with yours.
0: I am currently reading Becoming by Michelle Obama, which Jay is also listening to the audiobook of. We've been chatting about it bonding over it of course we're reading the same thing like we're just into the same person um i'm really enjoying it it's really interesting to get some insight on her side of things throughout barack's term but also their lives leading up to meeting each other and before barack became the president of the united states so it's super interesting i'm loving that i am currently watching the second season of pen 15 on hulu Which was the first season of that show came out, I think, a little over a year ago or so. And it's um, these two female comedians who are playing their middle school selves in a show with all middle schoolers. Basically reenacting all the cringy things that happened to you in middle school. They're hilarious. It's definitely cringy, but cringy in the way that you're like, oh, this is so real. It's too real. That's awesome. So... That's good so far, and I am currently listening to Rustin Kelly's record, Search and Destroy. I can't stop listening to it. It's so good and sad, and I love it. It is very good and sad.
1: I think he just got the print for the cover art of the album. like It was sent to him, which is cool. What do you mean? It's, I guess, the inspiration behind the album, and it has, I think it's saints and angels in it. That are in this like battle scene. Ooh! Um, so he had just posted about it, and oh, I thought that's cool. That was very
0: deep, Rustin. He's very into art. Love it. Yeah. So loving that. All right. So it's time. Are you ready for this? I don't know. This is
1: one of my favorite albums of all time.
0: Me too. And that's why we had to choose this for a deep dive. It is not only one of our favorite albums of all time, but I think one of the one of the albums that has a worldwide amazing reputation as being one of the best.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I don't know many people that are dislike this album. Even if they're yeah. not John Mayer fans, they still like this album.
0: You find reputable music critiques and like end of year lists and stuff, or like end of decade lists, and it's always on there as like one of the ones that people can't let go of. And it's because it's iconic, it's timeless, and we are obviously talking about John Mayer's Continuum. So Continuum was released on September 12th, 2006, which we're a little past the 14-year anniversary of that.
1: Yeah, that sounds Math. right. However, That's I'm going to like try to tie it all together. This album is timeless, as you mentioned, and everyone seems to love it, and it has that infinity sign kind mm-hmm. of hidden into it, so this is maybe his infinite album.
0: Yeah, I never noticed that actually recently until I was like, Doing my research on this record, I never realized that the, it's the C and the C and the, the o. o.
1: So if you're looking at the type style of the cover, it looks like an infinity symbol at the beginning, um, going into the word, which is pretty cool. And then do you so know prophetic. that prophetic? Well, do you know the history of it? Like no. when John was talking about it, he said. At a certain point, I think back in 2005, he gave an interview and he was obsessed with time and those like measurements and how he spends his time, and it just became an obsession. So then I think that probably was part of the inspiration going into the album.
0: That makes complete sense. He probably thought this was going to be such an obscure piece of art. He was just like, this is something I am passionate about making. We'll see if people like it. Who,
1: who knows? Well, and it was... A bit of a departure from the two previous records that he had written because I think from everything that I researched going into this, John dropped out of Berkeley in Boston and said, Okay, I'm going to make this pop album. And it's essentially to get signed and get notoriety, which was great. Obviously, Room for Squares, Your Body is a Wonderland. We all Iconic. loved it. There for it um and then he followed it up with heavier things which was another pop infused album and then this one was more of his jazz trio and they were a part of it in terms of the writing and producing so
0: well it was just a lot more
1: it was bluesy it was
0: blues it was r&b it definitely mm-hmm. was a departure from like the soft rock hits of today that were the first two records.
1: Correct. And I think it was because he was established that he was like, okay, now I can do what I want. And he was doing what he wanted. Um, which funny enough on the blues part, some of this was recorded in Memphis.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I think he recorded, it was New York, LA and Memphis for this album. So it's just, it was cool.
0: I can, I could, I could, feel a Memphis vibe. That makes complete sense to me. Oh yeah. The record actually initially did pretty well. It debuted at number 2 on the US Billboard 200. Wait, wait, wait. But why just number 2? Do you know who outseated him? My boy Justin
1: Timberlake with, with Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah. That was a massive record for Justin Timberlake, too.
0: It definitely was, but and maybe this is just my personal taste, but like I don't, I loved Future Sex Love Sounds, but that album hasn't held up for me the way that Continuum has.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think if you're comparing them just in that time frame, it's like Justin made a banger of a pop album. That's going to outweigh this one, not over time, infinity, if you will, (laughs) but in that truncated time. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does. And John definitely had a solid fan base, obviously, with those first two records. But like there's it's hard to compete with an ex number one boy band member doing his solo career. Like it's no chance. Yeah. The record ended up being nominated for three Grammys. I think three Grammys. It was nominated for album of the year in the following year's Grammy Awards, which as it should. It did not win, but it was nominated It did win Best Pop Vocal Album, and he won Male Pop Vocal Performance for Waiting on the World to Change. Critically acclaimed record. It performed super well, and it's just only gotten better over time, I feel, and is just, the more records that, the more music that's been put out since then, the more that that record has, like, built its standing in music history, because nothing that John has done since then has measured up, in my opinion. I mean, in
1: his opinion, too. He, yeah. I think he came out and said it. He said it's almost depressing for him as an artist to know nothing he will ever create going forward will compare to Continuum. And to, to relinquish that because he's not obviously at the end of his career. Right. Is a pretty profound thing
0: to say and do. That takes self-awareness for sure. Mm-hmm. I wonder. This is just like a random... A random thought, but I wonder if that's the way that Casey Musgraves is going to feel about Golden Hour, right?
1: Well, or any artist really. Like, think about it. If you, especially if you're creating something and you don't have the pressure or expectation or anticipation of this is going to be some massive record that, and it works out, I feel like it. That's almost hard lo- to replicate because you made it in that mind space of, I'm just going to make this record. And I think going forward, it's, I equate it to, you know, when a chef gets, they say that getting a Michelin star is the kiss of death because now everything going forward has to live up to that expectation. Yeah, It's all
0: measured against that prize, you know? Correct. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, this record still hasn't gotten old to me. We both were like re-listening to it the past week or so. And like, we were just texting like this still doesn't get old. It really doesn't.
1: It slaps different every time.
0: Slaps different. It really do. It really do. (laughs) So we're going to go through track by track, talk about some of the fun facts about the song, some of our favorite parts of songs, and just give you the scoop. Let's start it
1: off. Waiting on the world to change.
0: So this was also, it's the first song on the record, but also the first single from the record. Mm -hmm. And this was really John's first political statement if that's what you want to call it it's the first time he ever kind of spoke about this subject matter um you know the song is kind of I mean it's a political song it's talking about like wanting to end war and basically wanting peace and most of his stuff before this point was most you know as most of us write about relationships and love and maybe personal growth but to take that step into like the political almost a, not a protest song, but I mean, verging on that is it's a bold stance. And that's a surprising thing to come out with as your first single. Yeah. On a record. Do you like this song?
1: I do like it. And I actually am prepping for this. listened to an interview with him on NPR and they were like, Oh, why, why did you write it the way that you did in a sense of our generation is waiting on the world to change. And he's thought that it's, it has a be- a bigger impact than telling. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, go change the world or go do this, it's like he's preaching. He said, you know, it, it's almost more thought provoking to say, that's what we're doing. Even though he slides in those lines, which I think is like a subtle hint to, you know, everything you should go do. Yeah. You know. Well,
0: ter- it's kind of like, sorry to cut you off. No. It's kind of like, it's easier to approach someone about changing something when you're also inserting yourself into the equation. So he doesn't say you do this and you do that. It's like we do this. Correct. And we keep on waiting for the world to change instead of doing something about it. And so you're immediately in the equation with him. You're like, oh, we're in this together. We both do this. We all do this. And one of the like phrases that I have always really liked is when you trust your television, what you get is what you got. Cause when they own the information, they can bend it all they want. That could not be more fitting for like the times that we're in now. And like the media wars and who's telling the truth and who's bending the truth. And who do you trust? Like it's more fitting now than ever. And this song came out 14 years ago and we're still in the same spot.
1: And I was going to say too, adding to that, so He was speaking, and this is what the interview said, but he was speaking for his generation at 29 years old. And to your point, it's the same situation. And we have artists, again, doing similar things. But I I would argue that they're not doing it to the scale and level that John did.
0: For sure. And I think this song worked well as a single because it's super repetitive the chorus just kind of repeats itself like we're just waiting waiting for the world to change we're waiting waiting for the world to change so it's easy to remember and it kind of becomes like an anthem of sorts so i think it caught on really well a fun fact that i found about this song do you know who harley pasternak is no so harley is a like fitness coach and i think he like also works in like food science kind of area of fitness And he is, he works with John. And I first found out who Harley was because during one of John's current mood lives, he had on Harley talking about food and like how to stay healthy during quarantine and all this stuff. So I started following Harley. Harley is singing background vocals in this song, which is so funny. He's not an artist. Yeah. But like there is a section where there's like a gang vocal and he's definitely in that, which I just thought was like a fun, a fun fact. That's awesome. I did not know that. He's a good Instagram follow. He, um, well, his family doesn't really eat fast food. They're just, like, super healthy. So once a week, he'll have, like, a cheat meal and go try out a new fast food restaurant and, like, do a review on all the things from the menu. That's funny. It's interesting.
1: That's really funny. So he's a trainer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Bopping along. Ooh, I don't trust myself with loving you. Whew. This I be-
0: song. I- so my
1: initial thought into this song is one killer but two this is like we're easing into okay john had political john speaking for his generation and then he has those like deep cutting love songs and we're easing into it as it gets deeper and like more concentrated at the towards the bottom and end of the record
0: yeah and a lot of this record is about relationships and so this is kind of like the beginning of the story where it's like you're getting involved with someone but you're like i want to warn you now like it's not going to end well with me i i know my history and like it's probably going to repeat itself it's kind of like the beginning of the tumultuous ride but his vocal is so r&b vibes on this song and i just live for it i live for it this is one of my favorites
1: I don't know if it's one of my faves, but I definitely enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I appreciate where it's listed on the album, just because I know where the rest of the album goes.
0: It's just like a good transition song into the meat of the record.
1: And I feel like, again, he slaps you around a little bit on Waiting for the World to Change. It's like a boop, all right. (laughs) Like, this is me. I'm not the pop guy you remember. Then he's like, but. I'm still this sensual soul.
0: Yeah, and my favorite line of this song is the outro, which is, it says, "Who do you love, me or the thought of me?" Like, whoa, that hits different. That slaps different. <laughs> it does. It slaps. Like the that, heart one different. Yeah. that one hurts. That one hurts. So good. It's just a classic. All right, going into our next song. So then he brings it back
1: so we went a little political speaking for the generation yada 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 then we went love song then we're going back back to
0: yep which is also another one that's like tough to hear because it's like showing a mirror back to you it's like this is the world that you live in these are the things that we do this was actually the second single from the record which all which also was interesting to me it's like the second politically charged song on the record and also the second single um and this one is also still fitting for right now it's like is yelling your political beliefs loud really ever changed anyone's mind you know that's a concept that always is going to resonate also the best lyric of the song which is one of the best lyrics on this record is belief is a beautiful armor but makes for the heaviest sword like punching underwater you never can hit who you're trying for Ooh, i was gonna say ah. the same thing It's so good and the phrasing on that is first of all perfect but it's such good imagery of like punching underwater it's like just so descriptive i
1: i also one of my favorite lines in this song was it's the chemical weapon for the war that's raging on inside like so
0: good what who
1: comes up with that this it man is i swear so so good Fun fact, I wrote a college paper about this song. Failed the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, my professor didn't like what I had to say about it, uh, which Your I professor think... professor has
0: no taste, so...
1: <laughs> or they were like, Justine has no idea what she's talking about when it comes to music, so there could be that. But um, I just said, essentially, John was leading the charge for a revolution.
0: Okay, I love that for you. Yeah, no, I mean... College Justine was on to something. <laughs> yeah, or not, but... Anyway, I I did really like this song too. So Ben Harper, do you know Ben Harper? I do.
1: Always have to steal my kisses from you.
0: Yes. He is playing guitar on this song. Did not know that. I never knew that until I was doing some research. Super interesting. It's a fun fact. And all, pretty much this entire record is just full of tasty guitar licks. Like the riffs in this song, or this whole entire album, but especially this song, are just so good and like almost the guitar is like a second vocal on these songs. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like on the sad ones, the guitar is crying on the happy ones. The guitar is rejoicing. Like it's, it's always so it brings out the emotion of what John's singing about. Just so well done.
1: A hundred percent. And I didn't realize too, John wrote the majority of this record. Yeah. You know, he wrote and obviously performed it, but it's him and his trio, but The majority of the songs were just written by him.
0: Yeah, there's only two songs on this record that are co-written. So all the songs we've talked about so far um, were written solo by John. Insane. So going into our next song, this was a big one. Our fourth song from the record is Gravity. If you don't hear the opening guitar part of this song in your head as soon as we even say Gravity... You haven't listened to this record enough.
1: <laughs> also, are you a music fan at all?
0: Right. Have you ever heard of music in your life?
1: One of my favorite like reactions in general to the song, too, Lauren, is listening to it live because all he has to do is play like the first few chords and everyone just loses. Out. Yeah,
0: it loses their mind. It's just a stunning song. This is one that like really like your mom was obsessed with it. Your five-year-old niece was obsessed with it your teenage cousin was obsessed with it your friends were obsessed with it it just like resonated with everyone it makes you just want to cry it's so beautiful it's so heartfelt and like tender and honest this song was also the third single from the record so it's kind of interesting that the singles kind of were released in order almost of the track listing something i thought was interesting that i read was that gravity he said in an interview that gravity was the song he was always trying to write for example with come back to bed he was trying to encompass this feeling of gravity which if you listen back to come back to bed it's it's the same kind of feeling but
1: wait i don't think i understand that like what do you mean
0: like it's not supposed to be the same exact story but like He was always trying to write this kind of song. Like even going back to when he was writing Come Back to Bed, he was trying to write a song like this.
1: Ah, got it. This is
0: finally the song where he was like, oh, this is what I've been trying to do. This is
1: like the manifestation of what was in his brain.
0: Yeah. And he said, I think I read somewhere. I think it was this one. He was like, this just came to him in the shower. He just was like having a hard day. And he was just like, had a thought to himself, like gravity's working against me. And he just wrote this song about it. I'm like- That is so simple, but it's like, you just sing that and like feel every part of what that means, you know? Yeah.
1: And I think, again, you hit the nail on the head with it. It's why John's such a good musician, but his guitar mimics the emotion and sentiment of the song. Yeah. Um, And again, for me, it was a lot of the lyrics, which on this one, I loved. what makes this man with all the love that his heart can stand dream of ways to throw it all away yeah like
0: oh fire I feel like that's like such a good representation of like depression and anxiety it's like you can have everything going for you and like depression doesn't care anxiety right. doesn't care like when life is tough it doesn't matter like you still no matter how many good things you have like everybody it's a universal feeling to Correct. like feel helpless sometimes also similar it's like the guitar kind of setting the tone I feel like at the very very beginning of the song it starts off with like an organ mm-hmm. and I feel like that sets the tone too you're like oh we're going to church yeah wow. and
1: John's gonna preach
0: <laughs> who knew oh also fun fact guess who sings background vocals at the end of this song I don't know it's an r b singer recently released a record on Friday Alicia Keys what yeah. Ooh. And now if you listen back to it at the end of the song, you can hear her voice for sure.
1: Well, now I'll have to do it because I don't think I ever knew that.
0: Yeah. Because she has a pretty distinctive tone to her voice. So If you know, you can definitely pick it out. Crazy. So I thought that was interesting. Another fun fact, this song was number 84 on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest guitar songs of all time. Wow. And this is definitely one where like kids are learning guitar and they're like, I want to learn how to play Gravity by John Mayer. I remember when I started guitar lessons, I was, this was before continuum days, but like my guitar teacher was like, you can bring in any song you want to learn how to play. I'll chart it out for you and teach you how to play it. And then you'll come in next week and you'll play this song for me. I would always bring in John Mayer songs and he'd be like, no. (laughs) And he said, by (laughs) any song I meant like. He was like, you're going to have to tune your guitar to a different tuning. You're going to have to play chords. You don't know how to play. And I was like, but I want to play your body is a wonderland. (laughs)
1: He's like, "Nah, kid. I
0: play why Georgia why." And he's like, "BB girl, you know G, C and D. This is not this is not on par for you right now." And you know what, he was right, but I had I had to shoot my shot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Always. This is also where "Keep Me Where the Light Is" came from, which ended up being the name of his live record, right? Yep. Yeah, so the the outro of the song is "Keep Me Where the Light Is," which is Obviously a, it has, a phrase that resonated it, with him.
1: Is that like where the chorus is too? Cause there's oozing and ahs behind it. So he has background singers on that part, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Which is where Alicia is singing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about gravity?
1: It's working against me.
0: It sure is. Oh, I was going to say too, this is another song that on all the talent competition shows, everyone is always trying to sing gravity.
1: So this is what I don't understand. And we don't have to go down this rabbit hole why why do people pick John Mayer songs from Continuum to try to perform like you're not going to outperform him on these songs
0: you're not and most of the songs from this record aren't crazy vocals like he's not hitting any high notes which is usually the big thing on those like competition Mm, shows but I think this one is just like the melodies and the phrasing are so soulful that you know always the soulful singers are trying to Go for it. But yeah, this is just one of those songs that's always on those shows, like The Voice, American Idol, all that stuff. Right, right.
1: All right, moving right along. Lo, hit me with your thoughts on
0: The Heart of Life. This one never was really my favorite. Same. It grew on me over the years. Like, I still love it. I don't skip it. I don't skip any songs on this record, but it's just not my favorite one necessarily. But this is a mostly acoustic song, which is kind of a rarity for this record. And I mean, there are some lyrics in it that I really like, but it's just... It's fine, what do you think? It,
1: same exact thing. I hate to use this word because it would probably insinuate that I skip it, but I think it's a kind of a filler song. Yeah and not that John ever writes filler songs. I don't think that that's ever his intent, but it it was just fine. I don't really have a sentiment either way.
0: I feel like this song could have been on the search for everything because it's that bad. No, it's just like <laughs> just kidding to all the John Mayer fans yeah. out there I'm gonna delete that out so Justine doesn't get fit hate mail I like the sentiment of it though I love the line in the song fear is a friend who's misunderstood it's so true like you can use fear in your favor it's fine to be afraid but we just take it as being such a bad thing so true and like the heart of life is good 2020 sucks but like the heart of life is good is it negative Nancy it's <laughs> good
1: the jury's still out, Lauren.
0: Well, Haterade, moving right along to track number six, which is Vultures. I love this song. This is one of the greatest songs of all time. Yeah. I, and that's a hill I'll die on. Yeah. No, it, it really is. And I, I feel like a lot of
1: people don't like this song.
0: Who are their... those people? I will beat them up. Well, it's just like
1: they love waiting on the world to change, belief, gravity another one they like we'll the radio t- singles. yeah 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 and i just don't hear that much about vultures but i love this song
0: so this is one of the two songs on the record that was co-written so it was written by john steve jordan and pino Palladino. and steve jordan was his drummer correct that i think produced the album with him i think so. yes yes mm-hmm. is yes and then pino paladino is his bass player most people if you've seen him live you know who he is. He's a star. He's a legend.
1: If you know, you know.
0: If you know, you know. Um, this song is, I think, about the struggles of fame, would you say? Yeah,
1: more or less. Yeah. Unless he did the bait switch where he's the vulture.
0: Ooh. You never know. Power is made by power being taken, you know? Can't shake these vultures off my trail. And it's like, I get that. I feel that in my You've soul. you got vultures? Everyone has vultures. You're like, get out of here. 2020 is a vulture. A hundred percent. All of 2020 is a vulture this is one of my personal favorite songs. His falsetto in this song is iconic. He doesn't usually sing in his falsetto, at least not up until this point. He wasn't really singing in falsetto a lot. This song is very R&B vibes to me, and it's just iconic. I love it.
1: I mean, I hate to bring it all back to live, but I also love hearing this one and seeing it performed live.
0: Yeah, it's also, it has a long solo section, which really showcases all of, the musicians on this song which is so good live especially Pino paladino and john always calls out. Like, he's like Pino paladino and everyone loses their minds because they're like they know how much of a star he is you know yeah. i'm surprised this one wasn't a single i don't know why i don't know why either because um, unless they think it's too like jazzy too jam band vibes yeah i don't know i don't know either but this song will live on forever it's one of my favorites
1: hell yeah Stop this train. That's how I feel about 2020, really.
0: Honestly, same. This is one of my favorite songs, though. Really? It was a sleeper.
1: I don't like his vocal that much in this song. I just don't. I'm just like...
0: Mm. You need to go. <laughs> you need to leave. I can't have you in my household. I. This song makes me cry. It wasn't my favorite at first, but the more that I listen to the lyrics and the more that I... Paid attention to it. It's just... It makes me cry. He played this on one of his current mood live streams. And I literally cried. I was just laying in my bed watching the stream crying.
1: Shocker. You were crying.
0: I mean, what else is new? But like, oh, it's such a good song. It's so sad. It's just like about mortality and wanting to slow down life and not rush through it. And not wanting to deal with like your parents dying and not wanting to deal with getting older. How is that not relatable?
1: No. I mean, I agree with it. I just... I'm like, I just didn't love it. I don't know. I It's a feeling. I can't help the way I feel.
0: You're entitled to your bad opinion. Um. So fun fact about this song, James Valentine from Maroon 5 played acoustic guitar on this song.
1: And they're really good friends. I didn't know that. Yeah, Maroon 5 and John, I almost said they went to the same school, but they didn't. They just are super close. And that's, they've toured together previously.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, This song, I mean... It's just sad, and he's just saying, like, I want to stop this train, and then he gets to the end, and he's like, my dad said when you turn 68, you'll renegotiate. Like, you'll never want to stop this train. It's like, you just reevaluate life, and it's just beautiful.
1: But I just think it's weird to hear John singing this at 29. Like, Why? Because, bro, that's so, like, deep and dark.
0: Yeah, but, like, you reach 29, and you're like, I'm turning 30 soon. Like, my life is... A third over now, if I'm lucky, you know? You're going to die when you're... I don't know. Do people live to be past 90 these days in these COVID times? Like, I don't know. You know, it's true. Did you not have a crisis when you were about to turn 30?
1: No, I did. I feel like I have a crisis every day now.
0: No, same. As someone who turned 30 this year in these COVID times of 2020, I had an absolute meltdown leading up to my 30th birthday. I was like, I just put me in the grave. I guess it's over.
1: Yeah. It's start picking out the casket now.
0: So it actually makes total sense that he would have had this moment at that time. You just back up everything he says. No, I don't. Sometimes he's wrong. Not about music, but <laughs> about other stuff. Uh-huh. All
1: right. Well, I was meh about Stop This Train. Lauren loved it. It was her secret sleeper.
0: I'm sad. Is
1: it your favorite song on the album? Absolutely not. Okay.
0: But it's it's top five, I think. It's up there. Okay, so our next track is Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. I mean, I I kind
1: of don't even have words for this song. It's one of my favorite songs of all time.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's bold. Bold as love. Um, it's one of my favorites for sure. This is another one that he wrote by himself. And this song is interesting because it's kind of talking about a relationship that's disintegrating. So it's like, the burning room is the relationship that's just breaking down and then the slow dancing shows like there's still love there. So it's just like a relationship that you don't want to end but it's ending and you're just like we see that this is happening. We see that it's like almost over but we don't want it to end. That's so vivid and descriptive. Like it feels like a movie just hearing the story
1: you know. And, and also the lyrics in the song are just insane. Yeah. I mean they, they can't be replicated and I I think it's important to point out that this album was released in 2006 and this is John's third I'm sorry fourth most streamed song on at least on Spotify with 254 million streams but that's pretty insane for a song that was really
0: so long ago. 14 years ago. Yeah, that like wasn't even on streaming for the first however many years that it existed. Correct. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite lines in this song is, nobody's going to come and save you. We have pulled too many false alarms. That's like the couple that's broken up 27 times. And then they get back together and you're like, you guys are full of it. Just stop. That's all the false alarms. Like that one hits different.
1: I would say I have a favorite lyric, but I don't. They're, They're all... I, it's so The entire good. song is just insane. I love um, You Were the One I Always Dreamed Of. I was the one you tried to
0: draw. Yeah. You try I, to hit me just to hurt me, so you leave me feeling dirty. It's so good. She can't understand. This song is ridiculous. It's, it's so good.
1: Do you think he plays this for everyone he dates?
0: No. <laughs> I think... I don't. I think he's probably too... He would like feel like a loser playing his own personal songs for other people. He's just that kind of guy. Like he would play you a- he would play you some obscure song that you've never heard of that was just beautiful, but you'd feel like a loser for not knowing it. That's John's vibe.
1: This is the deep and dying breath of this love that we've been working on.
0: Oh my God! What are you yeah. talking about? That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that's the final round. Like we've tried it so many times. We've broken up twenty-seven times, but this is the last one. I can't. My heart hurts just thinking about it. Honestly. Ooh. If somebody made a movie just based around this song, that would be so good. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. It would be sad as
0: hell. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's actually
1: right, working on a script right now. No, like I'm going
0: to DM every like screenwriter I know, which is zero, but I'm going to find some stunning song. Next.
1: Bold is love. Uh, So I didn't know, and I'm a severe idiot, that this was a Jimi Hendrix song. Did you?
0: So I didn't when this record first came out. I didn't find out that this was a cover until probably a couple years after. But I knew who Jimi Hendrix was, but I didn't grow up. My parents weren't like listening to Jimi Hendrix music in my house. So it's just not something I was familiar with. So I just didn't know. Right.
1: It's very much the same. I know like all along the Watchtower.
0: Yeah, I for mean, sure.
1: The big ones, but other than that, I was like, "Oh, sorry."
0: Yeah. Um, but I thought it was great. <laughs> it's a cool song. It kind of goes through the spectrum of human emotions using color references, and really I think I think he chose to cover this song cuz it obviously showcases his guitar playing and, you know, it fits the vibe, and that's that on that. Moving on to track 10, Dreaming with a Broken Heart. Oh, so good. Another yes. one of my favorites. Yeah.
1: Waking up is the hardest part.
0: So this is the fourth single from the record. And another one that he wrote solo. This song literally, like, it comes on and I just immediately start crying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you go on an emotional roller coaster listening to this record. I do. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, again, another one of those songs that is just pure fire. And I don't know how he was able to so eloquently put into words and melodies the emotion behind exactly what he's saying it yeah you know what i mean it's not like again this is another one of those songs where i don't think there was any like filler lyric like oh we had difficulty figuring this part out so we're just gonna throw something together it is every word is very pointed
0: yeah it's like poetry the entire Mm -hmm. song It all fits together so perfectly and well. And like Jay said, the line, when you're dreaming with a broken heart, the waking up is the hardest part. Because it's like, when you're asleep, you can imagine that you're still together with this person that you hope to be with. And then you wake up and you realize that it's not real. And that's the song where in the bridge, he's like, do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hands? And one of my favorite, I don't know if you ever watched So You Think You Can Dance. I nerdily was super into that back in the day. One of the choreographers from that show, Mia Michaels, who choreographs a lot of, um, I think she does a lot of like Broadway shows and a lot of, she's like a very well-known choreographer. She's super cool. But she choreographed a dance to the song, like back in the early seasons of that show. And it was really cool because they had like a a mattress that was kind of slanted it was like kind of set up to where the dancer started off on the top of the mattress but you could see her in the audience because it was like tilted forward okay and so she was dancing on the mattress and then at the part where it's like do i have to fall asleep with roses in my hands she like threw all these rose petals everywhere and so they're just kind of like dancing like flipping over this it was really cool you should search for it on youtube highly recommend super cool dance
1: awesome I got to check it moving. out. Yeah. When you roll out of bed and down on your knees and for a moment you can hardly breathe, wondering was she really here? Like, everyone's been there. It's the moment. It is that moment when you wake up and you're like, oh. Was
0: are, that a dream? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Are we really broken up? Or Ugh. I just, again, very pointed with the lyrics. It
0: hurts your heart. It hurts your heart. You hate to see it. All right. So our next one is our drink namesake. Cheers, everyone, who is drinking a gin repair we have reached track 11, which is in Repair. This is one of the two songs on the record that was co-written. So this was co-written with Charlie Hunter, who I don't really know a lot about Charlie Hunter. Do you?
1: I don't know. Yeah.
0: Kind of a mystery man, I guess. He's probably someone super important and we just don't know. Um, This song is actually one that was never my favorite, but grew to be one that I really love over the years, just because I like the concept of it. I'm in Repair, not together, but I'm getting there. I mean, if that's not all of us, I don't know what is.
1: And I know I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred more. I like where it fits with the album. Cause we've yeah. gone through a relationship and the breakup, the, the and breakup. The yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. And then they're broken up and now it's like the closure and almost like the fixture to it. So yeah, I'm yeah. literally in repair after this heartbreaking relationship.
0: Yeah. It's like post breakup. You're doing the self work to, build yourself back up, get ready for the next thing. And it's just relatable to anybody, like anybody who's trying to better themselves, you get it. And that's that.
1: Agreed. And I think it flows perfectly again with the next song, which is I'm going to find another you. It's just like, I'm good. Now I'm back and moving on.
0: This song is actually pretty salty. And I like that about it. And I never really realized until I was looking through the lyrics. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is spicy. He says, if I'm forced to find another, I hope she looks like you. Yeah. And she's nicer too.
1: I mean, boom. Dang.
0: It's like, savage. uh, yeah,
1: exactly. It reminds me kind of like of the cycles of grief where, you know, at first it's like you're in shock. Then you're in this like sadness. Yeah. Denial, (laughs) sadness. And then you're like anger.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: (laughs) And we're in that phase now.
0: This is also, I mean, this isn't necessarily my favorite on the record, but it's still good and it's still relatable. Yeah. Again, like you said, it like works with the timing because it's like moving on. I've done the self-work and in, in repair and now I'm moving on to the next girl and I'm sassy enough about it that I don't even care about you. I just hope that like it's someone as good looking as you, but is nicer.
1: <laughs> and as we know from John Mayer's dating history, he did move on.
0: A few times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, and I feel the same way, Lauren. It it wasn't my favorite song, but again, it wasn't like one of the songs where I was like, meh. yeah it was great
0: so in my initial list that i was making of the tracks on this record i didn't include say because say wasn't included in the initial release
1: no but it was on the trio right
0: so on i have continuum on vinyl and i was listening to it today and say is on the record But it might have been like a deluxe release or something. Okay, so in November of 2007, which was a year after Continuum came out, a special edition of Continuum was released that included a bonus disc of six live tracks and also Say, which was a single from the movie The Bucket List, apparently. Who knew? I love Say, too. It's just like one of those songs. It's like, it had its moment, and then... I never really think about it again, to be yeah, quite honest. I agree with you. The sentiment's good though. It's like even if your voice is shaking, like say it anyway kind of kind of vibes. Even if your hands are
1: shaking and your faith is broken, even as the eyes are closing, do it with a heart wide open. Okay. <laughs> cool, John. Cool. Yeah, cool. I
0: I don't know that I would necessarily include that as a track on this record. In my mind it just is not it's not a part of this collection of songs
1: i agree it was standalone i mean for me i think everyone was like oh another john mayer song which was great and it blew up and everyone was excited about it but it had no place on yeah
0: it's it's it doesn't hit the caliber that this record has you know it
1: doesn't hit different
0: should we do like a john mayer themed lightning round kind uh, of thing we could what's your favorite john mayer song of all time
1: Slow dancing in a burning room
0: damn what's yours in your atmosphere.
1: Favorite John Mayer show.
0: I've only been to one. Wait, really? Yeah. And that was with you. We went to um, Bridgestone Arena two years ago. Girl. Was it two years ago? Yeah,
1: it was two years ago.
0: And that show was so good. And one of my favorite moments of that show was we were standing outside of Bridgestone Arena waiting to get in because everyone showed up at one time right before the show started. And it was so funny because we were like, There were so many different kinds of people there. There were like old, young, all races, men, women, like all kinds of people. And so we were standing outside and we were like, what do you think that person, like how does that person know about John Mayer? Because it was like you had people who you were like, I know he only knows John Mayer because he likes the Grateful Dead. And I know this like 12-year-old girl only knows John Mayer because she's heard the search for everything. And I know that millennial over there definitely is a fan of Continuum. So we were like placing everyone into like, what John Mayer era they were in it was a fun game
1: he is quite the eclectic crowd
0: he really does okay what's your favorite John Mayer relationship
1: Ooh, I mean I'm gonna go with Jennifer Aniston
0: Ooh, okay interesting yeah. choice
1: I just feel like that was outside of his realm yeah so that's why I'm going for it but I don't and I don't necessarily love this is just my opinion, but I don't love when he dates another musician because they end up in the record.
0: Yeah. But some of those songs are fire.
1: It's true. It's true. What's your favorite John Mayer interview? Do you have Ooh. one or quote?
0: Um, Does a tweet count as a quote? Sure does. He was doing a Q&A and someone asked him, what do you do about unrequited love? And he said something like that was so poignant, but like simple. And he was like, it's always painful to love someone who doesn't love you back. But like that just shows you that that part of your heart is still working. And like, isn't that a great thing? And I was like, Oh my God, that's like always stuck with me. Really loved that. He, he's just like, he has such interesting perspectives on things, whether you agree with him or not. He always has an interesting take on things and does a really good job of making you think about things a different way. And I appreciate that about him. What is your favorite John Mayer record aside from Continuum?
1: I'm gonna go with Heavier Things.
0: Okay, that's a good choice.
1: Yeah, that's my second follow up. Is Continuum your favorite? And if not, well, it is. What's your second? Just curious.
0: My second is definitely Battle Studies. Wow. Yeah, I love Battle Studies. Wow. I did not break Warfare. Get th- out of here.
1: Yeah, I just didn't expect that. Why? I don't know. I feel like it's a personal opinion, but Battle Studies was half bangers for me and half. I was like, we could have left the other half
0: off. Battle Studies had to grow on me. I Mm -hmm. listened to it the first like three times and I was like, I don't really care about any of these songs, really. And they all grew on me to the point where like Heartbreak, Heartbreak Warfare and Edge of Desire are like two of my favorite songs of all time. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's it. Oh, something. and
0: Assassins. It's so better. good.
1: It was all downhill after this, except for Lauren. She liked Battle Studies, but
0: that's it, guys. No, for sure. I mean, I liked the only one I didn't really like was Paradise Valley. And Born and Raised. Oh, yeah. And oh. The Search for Everything. The like, Search for Everything grew on me. It is absolutely not up to par with the first four records, but I liked it. There are songs, like, there are songs that I still bop. On repeat, like moving on and getting over slaps. You are such a punk. (laughs) You're just such a hater. He set the bar really high with this record. You know what? Sometimes you just have to accept that some people are never going to live up to their best again. And you have to accept them for where they are. They're in repair. He's in repair. He's not together, but he's getting there. He's been in repair
1: since he released this record.
0: He's trying (laughs) his best. This record just stood the test of time. We will still continue bopping it. Bopping it. <laughs> See what you did there. We're gonna continue, continuum. We're gonna continuum bopping it. If you want to listen along with us, we're gonna put all these songs on a playlist on Spotify. We'll share it to our Instagram. You can easily find this record, but we're just gonna make it simple for you. And if you love this episode, just hit us with that emoji of a guitar. Ooh, okay, I like that. On our recent Instagram post, of course and we hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you like our album deep dives and you have an album that you want to hear some fun facts about and hear our thoughts track by track drop those in our dms on instagram slide on in just slide on in there and as always if you like this podcast don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts give us a nice rating if you enjoyed it and a review if you're really feeling like a wordsmith that's all folks stay buzzed bye Ooh. Ooh.